Ready? Hello, hello. Can you hear me? Oh, that is bright. Morning, everyone. Let's uh, open with prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for this church. Lord, we just uh, ask you to be here today with us and uh, just guide this, this whole service, Lord, and the teachers with the children's church and the threes and fours, Lord. Just thank you for the willingness to, to uh, share your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the uh, last three weeks now, I've been working on my trucks. You know, we've got a new year coming up, new, new spray season, new spreading season. And, you know, the trucks just get used, used pretty hard. They're going through some rough stuff, usually. And uh, so we're getting, getting everything ready to go. And, you know, there's some things we have overlooked for, or we knew it had a problem, but we haven't done anything about it for, you know, since last summer. So I got piles of parts already on hand to start putting them on. Anyhow, uh, getting, getting the trucks ready. You know, when, I, when, when you have a conversation with somebody, uh, scripture comes up. You know, it's kind of talking about whatever issue or uh, worry or work or whatever scripture comes up while we were getting the trucks ready I thought about that I kept thinking about that scripture that uh, to be ready in all seasons and I thought I'd read that and it's another one of those uh, there's so much scripture on it on different aspects of God's love and provision and, and grace, and, you know, we could just keep going. Anyhow, uh, 1 Peter 4.15, I mean 3.15, uh, it says, But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fair, f- fear, having good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Uh, and uh, I think about that. And the one, the only, you know, if I don't share a scripture or there's different, different scenarios. Sometimes, you know, I got to back it up. And I, I know there's, there's some people that can come up with the scripture and the, the uh, where it comes, where is that in the Bible? And I don't have that. I have the scripture, but I just don't, I don't know how some, some people do it. Uh, but I, I'm trying, I'm working at it. But, uh, so, you know, he says, sanctify the Lord in your heart. I mean, really have a relationship with the Lord. I mean, he's in your heart. You, you look to him more often than, than, I, than I do. I mean, when I have a problem, I'll fix it. I can fix this. But you know what? If we just turn to the Lord right away, 
Uh, it'd just be a lot easier on us. Uh, and be ready to give a defense or an answer. I mean, it's a scenario thing again. Give a defense to everyone who asks for the reason, for the reason, ugh, ask you a reason for the hope that is in you. And uh, I never really understood the meekness and fear, fear, but I think it's an inner thing. It's not that you're weak. It's not that you're, that you're um, not unsure of yourself or not unsure of your faith or not unsure of God. It's, it's meekness in our hearts. Uh, empathy. You know, we're trying to get somebody to understand. And uh, the fear, the only thing that comes to my mind is another scripture. <laughs> fear, fear of the Lord is uh, the start of wisdom. And I can't tell you where that's at, but I remember that. Uh, I go to my Bible. I mean, I've had this thing since 80-something. And I mean, every time I want to look something up, I go to that page, and there's already notes all over the page. There's highlighted, there's circled, there's, and so it makes it kind of easier. But I am surprised that it's not even on the same page as this scripture I, I wrote. And this, what I wrote here, uh, gives me so much um, more, I can do this. The Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what you should say. Luke 12, 11 and 12. And uh, that's funny because I think about what Moses said. Lord, you somebody else. I'm not eloquent of speech. I'm not a good talker. And uh, what did the Lord say? God said, I'll be with you. I'll give you the words to say. Um, being ready to defend our hope. Uh, you know, first of all, what is our hope? You know, God has given us promises. He's promised uh, the freedom of sin. I mean, that's just one thing. We can find so much hope in Scripture, no matter what trials we go through, you know, what pain, temptations uh, we face or suffer. Uh, we could always hold, hold on to the hope that God extends to us. There is um, uh, a promise of a life after this. There's... Uh, uh, we, we can hope in that. There is salvation, freedom from sin. There's uh, so many things. Uh, I wrote down um, the three things that we need to be able to uh, defend our hope. A real relationship with Jesus. So we can hear his voice and sense his prompting. And I've had problems with that before. Having the Lord in my ear saying, pray for him. Pray for him. Multiple times that I didn't do it. Went back. I should have done it that time because there was other people there. And, but went back and his family was still there that, the next day. And uh, prayed for him the next day. Uh, we can hear him prompting us. Uh, as we face reasons to defend our hope. 
And uh, number two, reading and studying and knowing the Bible. There's, there's the, I wish I knew scripture like, you know, some people I know. I could just tell you the scripture and, the, and exactly where to find it. Anyhow, uh, knowing the Bible so we are equipped to, to defend our hope. And believing, we need to believe. We, I mean, I take it for granted, I guess. I, I, I believe it. This is all truth. There is nothing but truth in here. And, uh, but we need to believe that this is the truth. Um, we, we, we can see it every day. Our hope that God is merciful. And he is. Um, I usually, my own life experiences is what I share. They're undeniable, you know. Uh, that's, I see my hope because of what I've, what I've been through, or what I've seen others go through. I mean, you guys are family. This is a church family. We've gone through things together. And uh, I've seen miracles. <clears throat> I got... <clears throat> You know, we work, we're working for, you know, who knows, all these farmers out here, who knows where they're at with the Lord. And uh, we notice the Lord blesses us with, with uh, good people. Uh, I mention that, I try to mention that to some of them, just get there and They'll say, how's it going? It's going good. And I'll, I'll just tell them, I just pulled up here and I can see God's hand at your, on your farm. Uh, you don't have the problems that other people struggle with. I mean, and we probably still do, but I can see God's hand in your guys' operation. And I hope, I hope they can see that in mine. And it, it's amazing what you can say to somebody that comes back at you years later. You don't even know what you said to them. And they'll say, I just want to thank you. You saved my life. It's like, what? Well, I don't know what I said, but I'm sure it was uh, lifting, uplifting, you know, uh, biblical and un, undeniable. Anyhow, the other scripture I wanted to read. This one is a little bit, um, that was 1 Peter 4, 15 and 16. 2 Timothy, what's it? Wait a minute, it wasn't 1 Peter 4, it was 3, I think. Yeah, 3, 15 and 16. I even wrote it wrong on my paper. Anyhow, uh, the next one's 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. And I put a question mark. I don't know, should I read that? Anyhow, uh, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. All this is circled again in my book. Uh, written above it is Paul's charge to preach to the world. The word to the world. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing at his king and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, extort, exhort, extort, exhort, 
with all long-suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap, upon, heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their, turn their ears from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill you. You know, uh, how the Bible, I mean, I know the Bible's truth, and I know that God knows everything, but that is, that's kind of where we're at. I don't understand their crazy thinking. But, uh, you know, God's already, God's already uh, won the battle. Jesus already, already, he's, God's won over sin. Jesus has won over, uh, won our freedom and paid for our sin. And, uh, We, uh, it shouldn't be that hard. Do it anyway, even if you don't know the scripture. Share the word. Share what you know. We have cell phones. That's my main problem is I can't remember anything because I got a cell phone that remembers everything. And it guides me to where I want to go, addresses, and I don't remember anything. I don't know how to read a map anymore. Uh, there's so many things that I don't know how the next generation is going to make it, but because I used to do that stuff. Uh, but we share a scripture with somebody. We've always got our phone. Pull that phone out and just put that scripture in the search, and it will come up and tell you what that, where that scripture's at. And just give it to them. They can look it up. Tell them I'll text that to you. Uh, anyhow. We have, God's still given us tools, other tools. And, you know, we can say that this is the root of all evil or that's what, but God can still use it. God still has a plan for it and uh, makes it quite a bit easier for us, but I uh, worry about, I don't know where my, what I'm going to end up with my mind. Anyhow, let's have the worship team come forward and I'll uh, pray for that time. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the worship team and just ask that you uh, just bless them and guiding us in, in worship songs. Worship to you, Lord. We just thank you for all you do for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. How do you stand and let's worship the Lord together. Lord, let your light, light of your face, shine on us. Lord, let your light, light of your face, shine on us, that we may be saved. Dark. 
stand alone, I stand amazed. Jesus, only Jesus. Holy King, Almighty Lord, saints and angels all adore. I join with them and bow before Jesus, only to exalt you this morning, Lord. Thank you for giving us this time to be able to worship you, Lord, and uh, glorify you this morning. Lord, I want to uh, lift up the remainder of the service, just help it all to go well. And uh, Lord, may we hear what you have for us this morning. We just love you today, Lord. Amen. Welcome to Country Christian. Ray, thank you. We appreciated your opening this morning. You had mentioned something earlier that you felt a little inadequate, and uh, I just want to let you know that there, that's two of us that feel that way a little bit this morning. So, uh, pastor is gone. He called me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, would you be willing to share? And uh, I said I would, or he asked if I had something to share, and I, in my head I was thinking, I always have stuff rolling around in my head, and I'm always preaching to myself. I'm not sure if anybody else wants to hear it, but... So be it. We're here, and we're going to roll with what's cooking in the pot. So 
Let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. This is not going to be our main text, but we're going to, we're going to read it, and it is actually going to be our closing text. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ." By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world." But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross." thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to, to you who were afar off and to those who were near, for, though, for through him we both have access by one Spirit to the Father. Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity this morning. Lord, we ask that you would lead this message, Father. We would ask that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to go... Back to where we've been, where pastor has been preaching from Genesis for a moment, and um, I don't know about you, but I've really been enjoying him going through the book of Genesis, and recently, the, the most recent chapters that he's been on has been about Noah, and, uh, and the ark, and the flood, <clears throat> and what is going on there, and so... Briefly want to look at that, not to take away from what he's done, but I feel like the Holy Spirit has laid some things on my heart this morning, and we're going we're gonna to touch back to the Old Testament a little bit, but then we're going to go to the future, and we're going to go forward. 
But just to remind us, we're going to look at uh, Genesis chapters uh, 6, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, I kind of bumped forward in that chapter. talked about all the wickedness and the things that were going on. Chapter 6, verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. And Noah walked with God. <clears throat> And then it goes on to, God called Noah to build an ark for a flood that was coming, for a judgment that God was going to bring upon the earth. And, uh, you know, we look, we look at the, we have, we have the children's, uh, the children's Bible, the, the, what do you call them, the illustrated Bible, the, you know, and you, I, the kids are fascinated with those. I look at those and some of those pictures, you're like, wow, those are pretty graphic, you know. And uh, you remember the one, the flood, and before the flood, it showed the wickedness, and you can just imagine the, the people holding their beer canisters up, and they're laughing, and there's a 300-pound dude sitting there eating a turkey leg bone, you know, and there's the, there's the frivolous woman that is immodestly dressed with her hair flowing, and it's all in there, and to describe the wickedness that was going on, but I have to wonder a little bit, out of Noah, eight people... How, how could there have only been eight people that were righteous? How could there have only been, of all the people, and I don't know how many people were on the earth at that time, if there were several hundred thousand, there were several million, but I don't, I don't know that. Some of you might know that. <clears throat> but God called Noah to build an ark because a judgment was coming. And as we look forward, there's another judgment that is coming. And the call went out. I have to believe that in Noah's day, that although there were only eight people that got on the ark, that there had to be a call that went out to that generation to get on the ark. I don't believe the heart of God, God's love for us as, as humanity, that he only pre-selected eight people. Well, and that, that he was, the wall was up for the others. But I think the call went out in Noah's day for Noah's generation to get on the ark, to be saved. That call is going out today. God promised that he would never send a flood again, but he is going to send a judgment. So this morning, I just I want to touch on some of these things. I don't, some may wonder, and I shouldn't have to preface anything other than the fact that I know where I was at in my life eight to ten years ago. And I grew up in the church. And I looked good and I smelled good, but I was spiritually broke and I was bankrupt. And I, when I read the word now, I don't mean to be harsh. I don't mean to, but there's so much correctiveness in the word that is, is, is designed. I, and it shakes me. It rattles me. There's scripture that I read that, that make me, quite frankly, very uncomfortable and make me concerned for my life, not so much for a salvation because I feel like the Holy Spirit is working, but it makes me concerned for, for my generation. It makes me concerned for my family members. It makes me concerned even for some of us in the church. There was a call, there was a judgment that went out. You know, it took, I don't know what the specific numbers were, but it, I think God granted Moses, or not Moses, Noah, it was within 100 years, I think it took to build the ark. I looked it up. I, maybe it was slightly more than that, but it was a long time that he was given to build that ark. How come God couldn't have brought 200, 300, 400, 500 men and helped Noah build that ark in a week? 
I think it was the grace of God that he did, that he, that he gave, commanded Noah to build the ark in a short amount, or, or, or with, with, with his family, which I'm guessing everybody else, he might have had some neighbors that came and helped him, helped him, felt bad. You know, Noah, you're building a boat. I, I don't understand. Well, I'm going to come and help you. I don't know if that happened or not. But I think it's because God wanted time for that generation before his judgment came. He, he was giving them time. If we look at Noah, it says, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. There was a grace that was extended to Noah. How did Noah not get consumed with the evil of his day? I believe because he was walking with God. He was, he was pointed towards God. It says that Noah was a just man, perfect in his generation. I take that that Noah was not, he was living in a level of wickedness in, in that generation that he was not Although he was within that, he was not living in that. He was not affected by that. And he was walking with the Lord. He was walking in purity. He was walking. He was not perfect, but he was walking. His heart was pointed towards God. He wasn't coming in and playing church. He wasn't looking good and smelling good. His private life was right. And Noah walked with God. He, actually, he spent time with the Lord. He had a relationship with God. And this was all before the New Covenant. This was before the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now, I don't know how that all works out. God obviously still worked and was calling His people. I think this was even before the, the, the law had went out, but I could be wrong. Correct me. I know the, the Bible is not all, it's not in order as, as far as the chapters that you read. So, the call, there are several calls that, are, that, that I want to bump forward to now to Scripture. And the first one is the call is to the sinner and to the unbeliever. To come to the cross. To come to the gospel. Why is that? Why, why, why do we need to come to God? Why does the sinner need to come to God? Because the reality is we know that God is going to bring another judgment. He is going to judge the world again. And it's not going to be a flood. It's going to be through fire. He's going to destroy the world. And there will be an eternity that, uh, that, he is, that, that will come into, into effect that's not yet, but what well, is for some people, but right now we're alive and that there is a judgment coming. And these things, we really don't want to talk about them often. Pastors don't really want to preach about them. It's not a fun message. But it's the reality of the gospel. And I think part of the challenge is we hear that God is love all the time. And we live in a world where it's all about love. The problem is, is we're often talking about a human love. A human love that does not require any pain of me. A human love that accepts me the way I am. A human love that justifies me in my sin. It's not a love the love that God has for us that calls us to repentance, that calls us to truth, that calls us to His standard and not our standard. Our standard's down here. And we can get together with a bunch of other people with the same standard. We can feel good about ourselves. Or maybe we're a little bit better than the other people that have a standard that's down there. And we judge ourselves among ourselves. And it is the plague of humanity that we feel that we are inherently good. We feel that we're good. You ask anybody, you ask them, they've done surveys, they've asked men in prisons, are you a good person? And 99.9% .9 of them say, yes, I'm a good person. Is, are you good with God? And most of them will say, yeah, I'm good with God. But there's maybe 1% of them say, no, I'm not. I'm not good. I'm not good. 
And, they, and they, they face that reality, and they're not lying to themselves, and they realize their brokenness. Now, whether they've actually come and repented, but there's a very small percentage. It is our human nature to think that we are inherently good. Why does God need to judge the world? That doesn't sound like a loving God. It's very often that we hear this, and I'm even seeing this now, even in friends that we know that are deconstructing. And I would challenge each of us that if we don't get this truth as to how could a loving God send people to hell, you're going to miss it. You're going you're to give up on the truth of the gospel because you don't understand how could God, who loves everybody, how could he send them to hell? And then these theologies grow out of that to where people essentially leave that belief and they leave it and they don't believe in hell or they don't believe God could really send somebody to hell. And they don't believe there's a judgment. And in essence, some of that has slipped into the church. And it's a form of socialism that's slipped into the church. And that is, hey, we're all saved. We're all good, man. If you're in church, you're good. I would love to say that, but then I read the Bible and I read Scripture and it shows me that the second call is to the church. The first call is to the sinner to come to the gospel and to repent of your sin. God is perfect and He is just and He is holy and He is going to judge those things someday. The reason God is love, yes, but, but He's not human love. He's not our love. He's not love. We love and accept. But He is perfect love and justice. His justice parallels His love. And that is that His love is so perfect that he can't even be in the presence of sin. Why, could, why, did, why did Moses have to wear a veil? He couldn't even let the light hit him when he came down from the mountain. He had, he had to wear a veil. The, light, the presence of God would have annihilated the people. He had to, there had to be a shield there because in our sinful humanity, we cannot stand before a perfect, loving God. Now, that's, we're going to get into the provision here shortly. But we in and of ourselves, in our unredeemed state, God will judge humanity. He will judge the sin. And yet God loves us immensely. And I know in my life it came to a point where I had to realize... That, see, because I, I, grew up, I grew up in a good home. I grew up a Christian. I knew that God loved me. I've never known that, God's loved, that God doesn't love me. I've never felt unloved. I really never have. I have parents that love me. But that didn't keep me from darkness. And that didn't keep me from my shame. And that didn't keep me in the truth. What it came to is it came to, I had to realize that God, unless I lived right before him and I fall before him and I am broken on him and on the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus, that God would lovingly send me to hell if I didn't repent and live right. It's not about living in a Christian family. It's not about coming up and looking good. It's about being broken inside. It's about having a love for God. It's about being broken in your spirit and knowing that we're not good, not that we walk around feeling broken and shame, but that we have that reality that we need him, that time is short, that there is a judgment that is coming. The second call is to the church, and what I read is to stay in the faith that the church, that we would examine ourselves daily, that we would also realize that there is much deception in the last days. We can read about it. The Bible talks about it, and yet somehow in our minds, we often think that's, so, that's in the future. 
The deception is in the future. It's out there. There's going to be a man way out in the desert that he's calling us, and there will be people flooding out there. But I think the deception is, is here even amongst us. It's even in our own hearts. Part of how I think that is I know the deception. I know how prone I am to deception in my own life. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, outside of the Word of God, outside of the Holy Spirit teaching us and showing us and growing us, we are beings that are dramatically have a tendency towards deception. Second Timothy 4.3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Am I tempted to heap up and hear what I want to hear? Am I reading the Word of God, hearing what I want to hear? Do I just want to hear my version of God's love, or am I truly looking at the gospel holistically? Am I allowing the Holy Spirit to, to, to show me those things? Philippians 3, 18 through 19, for many walk of whom I have told now, excuse me, for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. He's not talking about unbelievers here. He's talking about people that are, their self-life dominates. It's easy to go to church. It's easy to live and, and live the Christian life and look good and not cuss when you're in church, right? We want to look good. We want to be right. But how do we live outside of the church? What is our private life? Are we truly broken before God? Where is that self-life? Where is it at? Is my self-life, is it really truly on the throne? But I can fool everybody else to make them think that, hey, I'm good, I'm Christian. I even preach sometimes. Matthew 7, 21, let's get through these. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. These are people that are they're in the church. I'm talking about the church overall. It's easy to think, well, that's probably some TV preacher that's, I don't know. That, I, I, that, that verse, it haunts me to an extent. And I, I think because all of this stems out of, I really have one fear. I have one fear, and that is that I will live my Christian life and I will do what I think I'm supposed to do, but somehow I miss it. Somehow I get there and I realize you were never submitted. You were never broken in your self-life. And, and the Father looks at me and says, I never knew you. Yes, you gave up lots of things. Yes, you didn't smoke and chew and go with those who do. You, you didn't do. You didn't associate with a group. You looked Christian. Matthew 13, 24, last one here, this is the, par this is the parable of the, of the tares, and that is where, well, I'll just read part of it. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field while men slept. His enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, do you... 
Not, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go up and gather them? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at the time of harvest I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. <clears throat> the challenge for us that have grown up in the church is that we have a saving knowledge of the gospel and not just a head knowledge. Many of us have a head knowledge. Many of us know and have been taught the truth, but somehow it hasn't truly got down to our heart. I fear that there's some, and I'm not saying that I, 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 I'm preaching to the one. Maybe there's two. Myself and one other person here that can identify with this. There is coming a judgment. God loves humanity. He loves humanity. He died for us. But He's perfect. He's holy. He's righteous. But He's also given us a way. He's given us a way to Him. But that is the way that we have to truly put that on. He's given us a robe of righteousness. He has given us a wedding garment to put on. But we have to put that wedding garment on. We have to daily appropriate the blood of Jesus on us. There was one man at the wedding feast that didn't have the garment on. The master came to him and said, Friend, I gave you the garment. Why, why have you not put it on? But the man was in opposition to the master. He was stiff-arming the man and said, I don't need a garment. I don't need a garment. But the man was speechless. We have to put the blood of Jesus. We have to daily appropriate that on us. We need to let God's truth and the reality of His judgment that is coming create a sense of urgency within us. We must live for eternity and not just for today. Philippians 2, verse 12, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I don't know. I look around, I even look at a lot of my life, and I have to think, man, has there really been a fear and trembling? And I would have to say, no, there probably hasn't been, because I haven't really feared God. I haven't really had that, that fear of Him. Do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run and labor in vain or labored in vain. 2 Corinthians 5.11 Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. There's a persuasion that was... Paul, that they were, there was a yearning that, that men would turn to God. There's also a yearning that I believe the Spirit is calling all of us, even in the church, to stay strong, to stay in Him. 
2 Corinthians 5, verse 20 and 21. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. The call is out there. Maybe you're in here this morning. Maybe you're new. Maybe you've never been in a church. The call is, I don't know who, who all is here. I, I think most of us, I recognize, but maybe you're that one person and you haven't made that commitment yet. The call of the gospel is to come to Jesus Christ, to repent and turn and do a 180. It is to come to Him and to be saved. 1 Corinthians, to, uh, well, the, the, the second call is to us in the church that we would examine our lives. 2 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So this is referring to communion before we go into communion. But the point is, is we need to examine ourselves. Daily look at our lives. That's why we read the Word of God. That's why we don't just listen to K-Love and Christian music as our source of life. If you do, you're going to get a very anemic view of the gospel. You're going to get a very one-sided view of that. God is love. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us. But there is a judgment coming. And we have to live under the blood of Jesus. We have to live and walk in righteousness before him. I can say that because I was a fraud for a number of years. As David said, I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation. And I look good and I smell good. But there was, a, there, was a, there was a brokenness there, and not the brokenness that we're to have. There was a brokenness in that. I knew that I was not walking in truth. Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. God is calling us today to righteousness. He is calling us to get ready, to get on the ark. The ark, the Lord Jesus Christ, to cling to the cross. To not play, not play Christianity, not play church. You know, God gave Noah and his generation time to prepare. He did. God is generous. God desires that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth. And he gave his, Noah's generation time to come to truth and to prepare. I believe he's also giving us time. We get to live in this very narrow window of time, the dispensation of grace. Noah didn't even have that. He didn't have the same grace that we have. We can go before the throne immediately and we can be made right with God. We don't have to carry on things. We don't have to dwell under this, this heavy weight and this load. We don't have to be dominated by sin. We can run. We don't have to go and slaughter our most beloved animal and spill the blood of that animal as they did in the Old Covenant to cover their sins, to try to cover that for a time being. And it wasn't a true sacrifice. The only sacrifice is Jesus Christ and His blood. He was the perfect sacrifice. And we live in that time right now. But the call is, is that that time will come to a close. This grace that we live in, we are extended and we get to we have opportunity now, as long as you have breath in your lungs and a heartbeat in your chest, you have the opportunity to repent. You have the opportunity to, to be right and to live right. 
I would encourage us all. Again, I hope, I believe I'm probably preaching to the few, but that is, that is my heart. My heart is to help those who know they're not walking. Maybe they feel trapped. Maybe they feel trapped. I can tell you that there is power in the blood, but sometimes we have to bring things out. We have to bring things to the light. We have to share things. We have to confess our faults to one another. And in doing that, we find life. We find true life. We find peace with God that you cannot get from anything else. <clears throat> Jesus is coming back for a pure bride. He is coming back, but he's coming back for a, a bride that is waiting for him, that is preparing for him. Not a bride that is distracted or off doing or is unfaithful. He's coming back for his church. <clears throat> But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, one of eight people, he walked with God. He loved God. He was a just man, perfect in his generation. You know, pastors have been making a lot of comparisons between then and the issues they had then, and I believe the same issues we have now. There's a lot of similarities. We live in a wicked and a perverse generation. I have a hard time believing that just like the picture Bibles for the children de depict often of the violence, that it was all that way. I believe there were maybe churches in Noah's day. Maybe there were churches, but they were lukewarm. And they were filled with Christians or, or, or people that were trying to serve God, but I don't know. Was there no churches? Nobody else? Eight people? But God is faithful. Let's go back and let's go through Ephesians chapter 2 again and then we'll close this up. There is a judgment coming. But God, verse 4, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. But God, yes, we need to not forget what is coming. Let's let that, let that motivate us. Let that motivate us to, to be on our knees for our generation, for our families, for our neighbors, for the judgment that is coming. It's so easy to put that out of our minds. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to think about the, the horrific things that are coming. But God's love and his justice are, are together. And he lovingly will judge the world. And he lovingly is going to, going to judge sin. The thing is, is he has given us that opportunity through his son. He's already judged our sins through Christ. But we have to come under his blood, under his covering. <clears throat> Verse 6, And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come... He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. That sounds pretty amazing. Exceeding riches. You know, we... Eye is not seen and ear is not heard what God has for those who love Him, right? We know that. He loves us. He desires that all men would come to the knowledge of the truth, that all men would come to repentance. 
But the reality is that not all men will serve him and not all men will be broken before him. <clears throat> but that's not his will. His will that all would come to the knowledge. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Salvation is absolutely 100% a gift to us. But we have to receive that gift. We have to respond to that gift. Right? We have to be broken. We have to realize our true condition without Him. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Okay, verse 13, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off, that's all of us, we were once afar off from the Father. We were out there in our stubbornness, in our pride, in our rebellion, in our arrogance. We were out there. But now, having been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Jesus paid the price. God loves us. He does love us. But we have to know that there is a judgment side of God. God is just. He's holy. And I know I didn't really ever really understand. I, I couldn't appreciate my salvation until I really understood that He is just and that, he was gonna, that He's going to judge all sin and that He does command us to live in righteousness and walk in His righteousness, not in sinless perfection. We are humans. We, we, we are sinful creatures. But our desire is to walk with Him and when we walk with Him, when we walk daily appropriating His blood in our lives, you know what? You begin to sin a whole lot less. And, and the relationship with God is sweet. And, you can, and, and, and when you come out of the darkness and when you come out of the shadows and when you're living for Him, and you're not living thinking, well, I grew up in the church, I'm good. You know, the temptation for those who sometimes live in the church and grow in the church and feel like we're good, and sometimes we live as if we don't really need a Savior. The problem is, is if we live as if we don't need a Savior, someday we'll realize that we do need one, and we may not have one. We want to live broken before Him, even if we haven't been out in the crazies of the world, right? All of us. But it's because of the blood of Jesus. We were once afar off, but He has now brought us near by the blood of Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. Tony, if you want to come up, you can get ready for your song. And having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances. Uh, let's go uh, verse 16, the end. Thereby, thereby putting to death the enmity. When we come to the Lord, there's no longer, there's no longer condemnation for those who truly repent, those who truly come to him and are truly broken. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So this morning, my intentions have not been to just rock the boat. Rocking the boat. My intentions, my goal, I believe the Spirit is leading us that we would look at some of these scriptures that often we read, but are the hard side of the gospel. But I know for me, maybe for some of you, I've helped open your eyes a little bit and understand God's love a little bit more. 
Because we hear God's love all the way around us, but if we never hear about his justice and his righteousness, it's really hard to understand really what he saved us from and the eternity that he has saved us from, the judgment that is coming. And there are so many parallels. You know, Scripture says that he has given us these examples in the Old Testament that we would not do as they did, that we would not lust after other gods, and we would not do the things that they did, right? And we see these judgments, even in Scripture, even in the Old Testament, we see these judgments that God brought to them. They're examples. But yet we also see that Christ died for them, and I believe he even gave all of them, maybe some of them that experienced some of his judgment, I believe that Jesus ministered and has given everyone the opportunity for salvation. This morning we're going to close, we're going to pray. Brother Tony is going to sing a song for us. You know what? At I would encourage you, examine your life. See where you're at. See where you're at in the faith. I know many of you are strong. But maybe there's some in here that you know, you're like, man, I know, I know I'm not living right. And it's hard. And it's hard to make the phone call. It's hard to, to admit when we're wrong. So, so often pride gets in us, especially as men, and that we don't, <laughs> we don't want to admit when we're wrong. We don't want to humble ourselves. The call is out. The call of the gospel is to come to him. Come to Christ. He will grant you life. Father, we thank you right now. Thank you, Lord, for your provision. Thank you for your great love that you gave to us, Lord. That we, right now, sitting here today, that we can humble ourselves. And if we need to repent to you, Father, that we can do that. But Lord, if we're doing well, right now in our faith, that we would continue in the faith. And that when things get hard, Lord, that we would trust you. We know you have not promised us an easy walk. You've never promised us that, Father. You've actually promised that there will be many persecutions of the righteous. But Lord, that you will carry us through them all. Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your Son, the blessed blood of Jesus that covers us and makes us white as snow. Lord, help us to appropriate his robe of righteousness daily and his blood in our lives that we would know that we are right with you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I'm going to... Hello, testing. Am I on? Okay, thank you. I can't hear over you. So the song I'm going to sing is The Old Rugged Cross. And... Um, I always like to look a little bit about the history of it. When was it developed, where, why, how. Anyway, I won't get into all the details, but this song was written by an evangelist named George Bernard. And the words that he put together, and he wrote it, and it took him a while to finish it, but he finished it in 1912. And I hope you enjoy this song. Far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame, and I love that old. 
were the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was laid. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged Change it someday for a crown. Amen. Oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction. For me, for the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Calvary. So cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old For a crown To the old rugged cross I will ever be true It's shame and reproach Gladly bear Then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cherish the old run. my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rock
change it someday for a Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Tony. You all are dismissed, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remain up here for a few minutes. If anybody wants prayer, I would invite you to come up. God is good. Cling to the old rugged cross this week. You may be dismissed.